surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, the earth. There it is, just hanging there with nothing. Nothing going on, just planet Earth. This thing which would become the epicenter of all life that we know. It would become everything that we know, everything that we've ever seen or, you know, is, is on this planet Earth. It would become the building block upon which God would illustrate himself. He would use it as a building block to build and to illustrate and to show himself off. Here's this Earth, this beautiful Earth. Now, who thinks Earth is a beautiful place? Isn't Earth just a beautiful place? Incredible sort of a place. Like, I'm one of those people that, who's one of these people? I'm sure there's a couple here, that you can, like, be flicking through the TV and something will come on about a spider making this web and you're like, and you sit there going, what? That is crazy. And then, or you flick to another channel and it's like some river that, and the river goes through Africa and feeds the wild. In this bird, and you can just sit there, just zone out for ages and watch. Who's one of those people that loves it, soaks it up? Nikki's like, turn it off, give me the remote. That's boring. <laughs> Master Chef. I am a nature nut. I just love it. I just think it is so beautiful. It's so gorgeous. I bet you've done this one. This one's the best. You're driving, it's just gotten dark, and you just pull around the corner, poof, full moon. What? You just got to pull over for a second and get out of the car and be like, that's real. That's incredible. You know, I'm one of those people that like, you see some sunsets sometimes and you just like, you, I don't know, you got to do something. You want to move. It's so, it's so amazing. You just want to move. It's that, is that good? You know, People may make like, oh, you know, NASA, they spent a bit of money on, you know, looking for ET and all this sort of stuff. And, but, hey, I'm, like, not complaining at all. A little bit of money. There's some pretty epic photos. If they didn't get anything, they bought some cool photos that, um, hey, declares the glory of God. So it wasn't my money. I'm thankful money well spent, hey. I already know God's awesome anyway. It's just a little bonus. You know, I've, I have this thought even, you know, I just, I love creation. I, I just see God in it so much. And I had this thought and I shared it with Nikki the other day. You know, everything within creation, you know, how the, mic, the micro, how, how small and the macro, how big and how incredible. Like the colours, the colours, you know, the creativity. Everything, like the creativity, the power within a wave or an avalanche or a, or a waterfall. You know, the mystery in creation. There's things about creation that we don't even know how it actually works, but it just works. Or like that the sun creates this, like, um, what's that process called? Chlorophyll, photosynthesis. This whole thing just works in this system. You know, in a way, I see all of that, the mighty with the gentle, you know, the micro and the macro. Isn't it like a big expose of what God is like? He's all those things. He is all those things. He's gentle. He's ferocious. He's powerful. But he's micro. He's too big. We can't understand. But he so knows the detail. We, beautiful, hey? You love it? Awesome. Well, here's Earth. Nothing going on. The Bible says at this point, here is planet Earth. And it was formless. And it was void. It had no form. It had no, nothing there. And literally... 
in the Hebrew there, those two words, it means something that is unformed, something that was unfilled. There's nothing. It's empty. It's just a barren place. There's nothing going on. It is absolutely kaput. All that is there is darkness. It says that it was covered in darkness, complete darkness. And this is like dark, like seriously dark. Like there's like no moon, there's no stars, there's no um, street lights, there's no houses, there's no nothing. This is like pitch black. This is black. This is dark. But there was one other thing. Verse 2 says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters of the deep. Isn't that just a beautiful combination of words? The Spirit of God hovering over the waters of the deep. You know, that hovering over there, it's a Hebrew word. Now, it sounds like you all know from this morning from Nev. It's a Hebrew word. It's a picture word. And it's a picture of like when a mother hen, you know, broods over her young. Like a bird that like is got this tender love and this care and, 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 and nurses over her young, that is hovering over her young. And it's got this sense of there's a cherishness. There's something, a tenderness towards that thing that it's looking over. There's a cherishing of that thing that it's brooding over. It's kind of like when you see me and Nikki just following Eden everywhere. It's like we, we are concerned for her safety, but we just cherish her and we've got a tenderness towards her. We just want to follow her everywhere. We hover over because you're just like, I love you. Okay, and isn't that a cool picture? Even in the darkness and the void, there's the Spirit of God with love and a tenderness and a cherishing of this planet. Here she is. Here's Earth, destined. What a destiny that Earth had. A destiny to display the glory of Almighty God. A destiny to become something which would just magnify God. If we continue reading in verse 3, it says... And God said, let there be light. And there was light. You know, I'm not into the Big Bang Theory, but the evolutionary one, I would say, if you were like a fly on the wall in this moment and God said, let there be light, and light came out of his mouth, it might have made a kind of a big bang. So you could stretch, the, you could stretch it a little bit there if you really want to. I'm sure it would have been quite the moment. Anyway, we read that verse and so begins a chapter is pretty much the most action-packed chapter in the Bible. This is the action. This is like chapter 1 and chapter 2 from nothing, nada, zich, to the whole world, universe, created, everything happened within those first chapters. What an incredible... Have you ever read it? Okay, who's read Genesis chapter 1? Hallelujah. If you ever read it and just let your mind run wild and you think about the birds and the trees and the creation which just burst forth, it just came forth, it's just incredible. But have you ever thought about this, that in that very moment when that was happening, all the laws of nature that we live by were coming into existence. All the laws of physics were coming into existence. All, you know, you think about the periodic table. That's like we've done our best to figure out the metals and how things work and, you know, the structure of stuff. And we've put together a periodic table and there's, you know, different ways that metals react and it's neutrons and protons, all this sort of stuff. All of that came into existence. 
It was all stored up somewhere within God and it just came into existence. That's not even to mention the biology of how things work. All those animals that were created had the biological mechanisms going on on the inside of them, the DNA, everything to still today. We're like, oh my gosh, don't understand how that's going on. And that's not even to mention the software to run the hardware. That's the part we go, what? We kind of get in a grip on the hardware, but the software to run the hardware, wow. And all of that, God just spoke into existence. It's so incredible that God, just by his word, was able to just speak that into creation. But church, it was by his very hands. It was by God's hands that he formed the jewel, the jewel of all his creation. It was by his hands that God would form and God would give the answer to the question... Why create it all in the first place? You know, I get asked that a lot in school, and it's a good question. If God's God, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all the omnis, why do it in the first place? If he can sustain himself, he doesn't need anyone to, he doesn't need our worship, why in the first place? Here with his hands, God creates the answer. Because it was by his hands that God forms man, mankind. And he breathes into him. He puts his own spirit. He puts his breath into this creation of his. And the answer is relationship right there. The answer. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So how do we know that God used his hands? I mean, it doesn't say he got his hands, trimmed his fingernails and got down there in the dirt and made it. It says that God formed a man from the dust of the ground. Okay, he could have just spoken dust, do that and be a man. But this word here formed, if we want to have a quick look at it, it is the word in Hebrew, yatsar, Y-A-T-S-A-R, yatsar. And it's a picture word that is used of a potter who goes and gets some clay And the potter takes that piece of clay and with that clay in his hands, he yatsa, I think that's how you pronounce it, he yatsa the piece of clay. He forms that piece of clay. He forms it. And so God literally forms it or yatsa with his hands. And so I suggest that it was with his actual hands that God formed man. You know, the thing about a potter, when he gets a piece of clay and he takes it to his wheel and he goes and he goes to sit down and make what he's going to make, the potter already has a predetermined idea of what he's going to create. The potter has already been dreaming and thinking about and designing and coming up with what is it that I am going to take this piece of clay and turn it into. He already knows the purpose, the destiny, the function, what this thing is going to be. He's dreamed about it and so when he sits down he knows exactly what it is that he wants and he sits down and he works that thing till it looks like and it is exactly what he wants. And it's his precious, it's his, he loves it. It's his creation because it was his idea. It was his dream. It was his passion. He thought about it. He created it. He thought and then he sat down and he formed it. And the the potter goes, yes, that's mine. That's my creation. You know, I have a creation story. It wasn't as amazing as God's. What? Oh, Eden. (laughs) No, 
I was nine, ten years old, okay? And we somehow, we just learnt how to knit. I don't know, mum taught us how to knit and something, we just learned how to knit and it couldn't, I mean, couldn't barely knit anything. All I could knit was this thing and I don't even know if we had like a, um, a template or what it is that we used or how we did it, but what I could knit, it was basically just like a cord. It was just a cord or a rope, I don't know, it's just a just a straight line basically that's all it was wool and, and knitting it with this thing and anyway we loved it we we're just knitting and knitting and knitting and this was my one this was my beautiful creation I was so proud you know I don't how I was pretty young and I'm knitting this thing and I've used all my different colors like because you use a color and oh, I can then change and change color and, and this was my creation I loved it it was so long it was probably like two meters it's like you know, how much labour is that? I've just laboured for about a week for a kid that's like an eternity. And I've fashioned this thing and I've formed this beautiful creation of mine. And it was so precious to me that I thought, I've got to store this in my drawer. I'm going to keep it safe or put it somewhere safe. And at this time, I had a little brother. I still have a little brother. And we shared, just after you hear this story, we, we shared a room together. And I thought, I'll put it up in the top drawer so we can't reach it. Okay, because I was precious about this thing. Anyways, one day, my little brother, Johnny D, somehow, I don't know, got himself a pair of scissors and made his way into the room, climbed up on the bed, opened the drawer and helped himself to my beautiful creation. Snip, 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 snip. Here I come in to find my beautiful creation. I open up my drawer. He hasn't just chopped it in half, okay? He could have just chopped it in half and gone, ha-ha, now it's not as long. I was so proud of it being long. I come in and it is like chopped up into five centimetre pieces. Five, no, I kid you not, he has just gone to town on this thing. Like, seriously. I mean, he was kind enough to leave it in the drawer for me. I mean, <laughs> where I could find it. I still don't know today what his intent, what was the purpose, what was driving him. Did I do something? Anyway, he took my creation. That's my creation story. So he destroyed it. I love my brother. We made up. Don't worry. All good. <laughs> Church, tonight, I want, to encourage, I want to encourage us. Where we're going tonight is I want to encourage us that in the hands of Jesus, anything is possible. You know, to create by the very definition. The very definition of creating means to cause something to happen or to bring something into existence. To bring it into existence. And I believe, I honestly believe, that Jesus wants to create in people's lives. Jesus wants to create new things in your life. He wants to make something happen in your life. He wants to bring something into existence in your life. His hands are forming and creating masterpieces in our lives. He takes what is unformed and unfilled and he gives it form. He gives it purpose and he gives it meaning in the hands of Jesus. You know, in the book of John, if you're following in your Bible, we're going to the book of John, chapter 9. It speaks of a man who, like earth, in Genesis chapter 1, this man had an unformed and an unfilled world. Jesus was traveling around with his disciples as he did. And in John chapter 9, verse 1, it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now this man was completely blind, born blind. 
the disciples somehow knew this fact. Doesn't, I don't know how, it doesn't say like exactly how they knew. Later on in the passage, it, it does tell us that he was a known beggar within the town. You know, so I'm assuming, you, you never even know, like these guys might have been born around the same time as this guy. Might have even gone to school with him. You know, I've been to places in the world, Cambodia, Bangladesh, where everyone knows who the beggar is. They're their person, you know, you see him every day at the marketplace. Okay, they knew this guy. But this guy, he had no nothing else except complete darkness. His whole life, he was born blind. Imagine close your eyes for a whole day. Imagine try to do it for a week. Okay, his whole life, he had never seen anything. So this guy, Jesus approaches this guy and the disciples ask the question, why is he blind? Jesus responds to his disciples and said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. The works of God. Literally, the works of God, that word works, literally in the Greek means, get this, it's awesome, the business of God. The business or the employment of God. This is the business that God is in. And Jesus is like, what you're just about to see displayed in this blind man, this is God's business. This is what he is into. Creating, new creation. And so Jesus, in verse 6, after saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. You know, many commentaries ask the question, why did Jesus do that? Why did he spit on the ground and take the mud and put it in his eyes? I mean, didn't he like to say, Lazarus, come out, just with the word, raise the dead person to life? Surely... He could have just spoken the word and just gone, eyes, be. I mean, probably not socially, like, normal to do that. <laughs> I'm not sure. Apparently, I think Kevin might have had something like that happen to him one time. Why, wham? Come on. <laughs> All right, but, but honestly, God, God does some things sometimes in weird ways. God does sometimes some things in weird ways. He brings about his purpose and his plan in in, in strange ways. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and this guy was sharing a testimony and it was such a bizarre testimony, it was worth sharing. And I'm listening to this podcast and anyway, this guy, he was, he, he had, I can't remember if he was at work or if he was on the street, okay, that's the part I can't remember, if he was at work or on the street, but he had this nudging, this, this push of the Holy Spirit to, to, that to go and do something to this man that was over here that God had shown him. And God was saying to him, I want you to go over to that guy and nibble on his ear. <laughs> he had no idea who the guy is. Any, any blokes here want me to come and nibble on their ear? <laughs> Just to get a diagram. It's not happening. I'm not going to do it. It's not happening. Okay. Anyway, the guy... I mean, boldness. Thank you, Jesus. He can lay hands on me and I can get some of that boldness. I mean, he, got, he, he's, he worked up the courage and he went over to the bloke and he nibbled on his ear. And you know what God told him to say? God loves you. Anyway, the guy testifies 
that the guy just began break down weeping and crying in front of him. Just, just completely crying in front of him. And anyway, eventually the guy who was crying tells him his story and he says, man, you wouldn't believe it. Just recently, my wife was killed in a car accident. My wife was a Christian and I'm not. And all my life, my wife has been trying to get me to come to church. Saying, you've got to go to church, you've got to go to church. And in bed was when she usually would nag me that I needed to go to church. And usually when she was doing it, she was always nibbling on my ear. (laughs) And so that goes, I mean, the ways that God works are sometimes bizarre and weird. And he has his purposes and he has reasons, okay? And sometimes we don't know. You know, and some of these commentaries, they're great, they're amazing, they're, there's, good com- there's good answers. Why? There is good answers, okay? There's good, but church tonight, I want to strongly suggest this to you, that the reason that Jesus did it this way, that he got down and he, and he formed mud and he formed in this, eye, in this guy was because this guy didn't even have eyes. I want to suggest to you that from birth he was blind because his eyes didn't even exist. This man's eyes were completely formless and void. There was nothing there. And so this miracle to me displays and it manifests that when dust gets into the hands of Jesus, when Jesus takes dust and dirt, when that gets into Jesus' hands, it is literally going into the hands of the Creator. It is literally going into the hands of the Creator and He is forming and He is fashioning something brand new. Out of clay, he formed and fashioned brand new eyes. Either way, even if he did have eyes or not, whichever way, something brand new needed to be created. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 says, But in these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the one who took the dirt in Genesis and he formed and he fashioned. Jesus is the one who takes the dirt in our life. Jesus is the one who takes the junk, the dust, the things which is just under feet, the dirty. He takes it and he uses it and in his hands he can form and fashion anything. You know, Jesus knows our needs. Jesus can see our unfilled and our unformed world and he knows how to fill it and to form it with Jesus' hands. He can make something happen. He can bring something into existence. You know, in Genesis, we see such an intimacy. There's such an intimacy that God didn't just say the word and created man. But God actually got up close and personal. God got in. God got his hands in the dust. He got up close and he got impersonal and he formed his, his desire, his creation. He got up close and personal. And, and, and it was, you know, he really, he literally got into our lives. You know, in the same way here, Jesus gets up close and personal in this guy's life. Jesus gets right up close and personal. And he gets right up and he uses his own hands and he works in this guy's life. Tonight, church, I got two encouragements. I want to, firstly, I want to encourage those who have a relationship with Jesus. 
Secondly, I want to encourage those who don't know Jesus, either if you're here tonight or for those of us who might know someone who doesn't. For those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, those hands that formed and fashioned new eyes in this man, those same hands are still forming and fashioning within you. He is still forming and fashioning within us to be what he sees, what he, to be and to become what he dreams, what he, not what you, not what other people have told you you are, not what other things this world tells you, but what he sees and who he has dreamed you to be. You know, even if I look in my own life, I look down the barrel, I look back at the things in my life and I look at all the experiences and the things I've been through, the places that I've gone, you know, all these different things, the mix of gifts and talents which God has given me, the, the, the people that he's surrounded me with, the, you know, the, just the experiences. And I look at it and I look at where my life's going and I kind of put it all together, sorry, I put it all together, I can see the hands of God literally forming and, and doing something and making something. And it's like all of that, even the junky stuff has a purpose because it's building and it's molding something for what is up there. And I tell you what's all up there and what is here now and it all the way through, it's all for God's glory. Amen. Everything is for the glory of God. You know, that who knows this, that God is forming something in your life. Come on, through difficult times, through successes, through disappointments, through challenges, through mistakes, even in our victories, God is forming within your life. He is forming something and it's for His glory and for His purposes. You know, you maybe have something in your life that feels unformed and unfilled. You may have something in your life that feels empty, blank, void. Something that's in darkness. Jesus is the great creator and he's in the business of making new things. Jesus is in the business of creating what has never been seen or dreamed of. You might not even think it's possible. You don't even see the way. It's because it might not have actually come into existence yet. But Jesus creates. Creating is about bringing something new. Something brand new. Jesus creates and he's able to produce brand new. For those of us who don't know Jesus, if there's anyone here tonight you don't know Jesus, and also because I know there's a lot of people here, we know people in our world that don't know Jesus. Okay? There's a lot of people here, I know. Come on, we know a lot of people that don't know Jesus. You know, before Jesus performed this miracle, he, he said this in verse 4. He said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know, by performing this miracle, Jesus literally brings light into this man's world. The miracle just affirms, it confirms the declaration he just made about himself. I am the light of the world. Boom, sight. Light literally came into that man's life in that moment. And at the same time, it just about mirrors our Genesis story. What was the first thing that God spoke and came into being? Verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be 
light, and there was light. Friends, Jesus is the author of our faith. Jesus is the one who is the very scriptwriter of our life. You know, and that is this miracle that Jesus did, it was a new creation. It was something brand new. This guy was born blind. He never had sight. He'd never seen. It was something brand new. Sight wasn't something that God returned him back to. He never had it and lost it. It was something brand new that came to him. Jesus creates brand new. He literally brought light into his world, which he never had before. You know, that guy, it would have just been... Imagine, close your eyes for a week and then the feeling of opening your eyes and seeing again. Incredible. This guy had never seen anything except darkness and then all of a sudden, the world around him would have become, whoa, everything makes... He would, you know, just putting everything together, being able to see the world around him, making sense of it. And no longer this guy dependent on begging. No longer dependent on people helping him no longer dependent on all of that he just received a gift from jesus he received his sight he didn't earn it he didn't produce it it was just a gracious gift from his loving creator the bible said that he jesus just saw him just saw him and went to him and he just took what was unformed and unfilled and he formed it and he filled it it was literally a genesis moment it was a moment of genesis right there for that guy you know, and this just becomes, sorry, I need a drink of water. Thank you. Everyone good? Thanks. <laughs> Genesis 1 and 2, the creation story. It becomes a picture of how Jesus works new creation in our life. You know, planet Earth just sat there in darkness. Just sat there, covered in darkness. You know, but the Spirit of God was hovering around it. You know, that guy, that blind guy that day, he was sitting in darkness. And little did he know that Jesus Christ, God, the manifestation of God wrapped up in flesh, was hovering around his life. Jesus was hovering around him, was brooding around. And with the same creative power, he formed within him brand new creation. You know, God can work that within your life, within the people who might be around in your world, your neighbours, the people, you know, in the school. I believe that the Spirit of God is hovering over people's lives, that he is brooding over people's lives. I don't know who. It's bizarre who he chooses. I don't know who, but I know that he is brooding over people's lives. And he's brooding and he's bringing new life. And I believe that if there's anyone here tonight, he can give you brand new life. I want to give you that opportunity later as we finish tonight. But I do have another encouragement. My final encouragement is for us, church, Today's Mission Sunday, first priority. You know, go, make disciples. Go and make disciples of nations. You know, beyond the clay and the miracle of sight, this man got sent. This man got sent. You know, there's this picture of salvation and sending in here, and it goes hand in hand. I see that. I see salvation and being sent go hand in hand. 
John chapter 9 verse 7 says this, Jesus, after putting the clay in his eyes, told the man, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, this would have been a memorable moment for the dude. Do you reckon? Yes. This would have been a memorable, like, remember every single detail sort of a moment for this, sort of, this guy. For the first time, he saw the world around him. He could see what water is that made this sound. He could actually see the birds and what they actually looked like and the sound that they made. He could actually see what his mother looked like and not just hear her voice. He could see what the food was that he was actually eating. This was a memorable moment. He could have seen himself and what he actually looked like as he washed in that water. Incredible. You know, and our salvation, isn't that a memorable moment? Isn't that a memorable moment in your life when the reality of God and your salvation becomes, I mean, that is a memorable moment. I know for me, that is a memorable moment. Manly, Sydney, 2008, I remember the weather, I remember the time, I remember the street we were on, I remember the building I was in, I remember the music that was playing, I remember the, how the chairs were set out, I remember the people that were there, I remember how I felt before, I remember how I felt after. It was absolutely memorable. And this would have been a memorable moment for this guy much more. And this guy went to the pool of Siloam, the pool of scent. He would have remembered this detail. I got sent to the pool of scent. I'm sent. I'm sent. And there's something, this man in a way would be sent as a witness to the transformation and the creative power which God had worked in his life. Literally declared over his life that this miracle, that you are sent to be a witness. And salvation in the same way in our life. It declares that to the world. It enrolls us. It qualifies you and me. Everyone here who has experienced salvation, congratulations, you are qualified, you're enrolled, you're prompted, you are commissioned to go, to be sent, and to declare to the world of the transformation that God has brought about in your life. You know, no one was more transformed and sent than the Apostle Paul. I mean, if you want to take a picture of transformation and sent, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Man, I reckon when he penned them words, he really, really knew what he was talking about. He saw the man that he used to be, the murderer, the hatred, the anger inside of him. But by the grace of God, transformed, saved, and a brand new creation. And Paul went on to give his whole life for the cause, to witness, to testify. He reached, he said, I'll become everything to all people. I'll go, I'll do everything. He gave up everything, sold everything. He just went, man. He was sold out for the cause of declaring that God came into my life and transformed. Incredible. And there's that same qualification, that same commissioning, that same sending for every single one of us, which salvation has come to us. We are a new creation.
You know, Genesis 1 literally takes place in our lives because we were all, lit, we were all unformed and unfilled, living in darkness before we came to Christ. You know, but God came and he started something new. He brought something into existence in our lives. You know, and I think about how many people there might be out around us and the Spirit of God is just hovering over their life. You know, I can think of many people I know, they're living in darkness. But how many of those people, God's Spirit, it says, is hovering over, hovering over, right there, right there with a cherishing and a tenderness and a love towards that person, just hovering over that person. You know, and it's surprising. Don't put anybody out. Don't disclude anybody. Don't do that. Don't say, no, not them, not them, not them, not them. Tim and Krista are in here tonight. Do you know how much that freaked me out? And I was like, what? I went to school with those guys, Krista. I knew them before they came to Christ. When I was in Hawaii doing my um, Youth with a Mission, and I heard, guess what, Paul? Tim and Krista came to church today, and they're saved it was, it was like that. It was blowing my mind. I couldn't comprehend it. Because, guys, hallelujah, the Spirit of God was hovering over their life. Do not put anybody out. Do not put... Joel, come on, brother. Do not put anybody out. They're not special. It's the same for every one of us. You know, God invites us into his work of creating... God invites you and me in. The things that God did is he spoke. He spoke the word. You know, and we too, we're called and we're commissioned to go and speak the word. To go and speak to people. To tell them the word. Who's the word? Jesus. And Jesus, we begin to speak the word into those people's lives. We begin to speak into the darkness, into the void, what the Spirit is hovering over, and speak the word, Jesus. Don't be surprised what might form, what might be created. God has invited us in. He, he wants us to go and lay hands on people, you know, to, to show people love. To show people caring and kindness. To be the hands of Jesus. You know, there will be people that argue and disbelieve your transformation. There will be, oh yeah, no, I just became a good person, I guess. Nothing to do with Jesus. There will be people who will try and write it off and rip it off for nothing. To worth and value of nothing. But you know, in this story... This guy who was born blind, the disciples somehow knew. You know, the Pharisees came and they're like, nah, it's not even the same guy, it's someone else. They went and took him to his parents. Is this your son? They were trying to just write it off, write off and disprove, disqualify, take the majesty and the glory of Jesus and make it nothing. Is there a few of those people around today? Yes, there is, friends. But even though they're around, we still declare what we know to be true. You know, I, no one said it better than this guy. Like, I mean, if you're talking about axiom, self-evident truth, the guy was blind and now he sees. Okay, 
That's a self-evident truth. He was blind. He couldn't actually see where he was walking. And now his eyes are open. He can actually see now. But they tried to argue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's someone else, they said. What? I mean, it's almost as clever as the evolutionary stuff, though. <laughs> Seriously. No one said this better than himself. In 9 verse 25, the guy says, the blind guy who's now not blind, he said, whether he is, Jesus, is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You know, people can write off your transformation, your salvation in your life. (laughs) But one thing I know, I was blind, now I see. I was lost, now I'm found. I was hopeless, now I've got hope. (laughs) Hallelujah. No one can deny that. That is what happened to me. That is my story. That is my testimony. You can say whatever you want, but I'll keep declaring my axiom. This is my self-evident truth. This happened to me. Jesus is the creator, and he forms what is unformed, and he fills what is unfilled. He gives shape, meaning, and purpose to our life. You know, I just love that, that Jesus gives shape, meaning, and purpose to our life. The, cre- the question from the kid is good. Why all this? It's for a relationship with God. You know, God gives you value. God gives us purpose. God gives us, like, we are precious and loved by him. You know, tonight, this is where I want to end, is that those same hands that took the dust and created man, those same hands that did that creation, that spoke everything into existence, those same hands that, 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 that took the ground and formed us and fashioned us, You know, those very same hands, the ones which started everything, are the same hands which were spread out and crucified for us. You know, and it's those hands that continue to shape our life today. He started with dust and formed and fashioned us to come into being. Friends, it's with his hands which are pierced and scarred that he forms and he fashions you and me today. Because in those hands that have got the scars, it's in those hands that we see we are loved, that we see we are valued, that we see we have a purpose. And it's those hands tonight that you can believe, that you can trust, that God can create and do something new in your life, that he can bring about, that he can form, that he can do anything in your life and that he cares about you and he knows you because he didn't just form you, but he was pierced for you. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, that you form, you create, you make new. Father, I pray for each and every one of us here tonight Lord, that where we feel there's void, there is darkness. Lord, I pray that you would bring into that. Lord, we just put our faith and our trust in you that you are able to bring creation into that. You are able to bring something into existence. You are able to cause something to happen. 
Father, I thank you for your word tonight, Lord, and may it bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we sing or while we get this song going, um, we're going to take up our missions offering as well. So if you've come prepared for that, um, some of the guys are going to come around with the offering bags. And I just want to give an opportunity tonight. If there's anyone here, you've never given your life to Christ. I mean, it looks like we're all pretty in-house here tonight. You know, the Bible says that they, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, and there's no doubt that God loves you, that he cares about you. He formed you, he fashioned you, and he was even pierced for you. And a brand new life starts when we put our faith and our trust in him. So if there is anyone here tonight, come find me. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. And, um, you know, just believe for a brand new start, a brand new creation in your life. I'd also just want to open up the front too while we sing this song. You know, sometimes we've got to ask God to create in our life. Sometimes we've got to invite God and say, Hey, God, and confess to that void and the darkness in our life and say, This is empty, God. I need a miracle. You know, and if there's anyone here tonight, you want prayer, you want someone to stand with you and believe and pray and ask for Jesus to literally do something new in your life to create. I'm happy, I'd love to, there'd be people here to pray with you and believe with you for God to do a miracle within your life. Anyone here, you got injury, something in your body, you need healing, I believe that Jesus' hands are here tonight. Lay on of hands and pray, and they will be well. Those hands of the Creator will make brand new. If you want prayer for healing tonight, I'd love to stand with you and pray with you for that, and just believe that God can do all things. Amen. Amen.